or listening to Casual Conversations with Big Skinny. The Podshack presents Casual Conversations with Big Skinny. My question for you today, do you have those TV theme songs that transport you back in time to maybe when you were a, a younger preteen or young child? Here's one of those for me, Family Ties, which aired on NBC back in the mid to late 80s. Great show. Well, today's guest, we have the great Scott Valentine. Very talented actor, and you may remember him as Nick Moore, Mallory's boyfriend from Family Ties. Mallory, let's invite Nick to dinner. <laughs> well, this is really nice. Uh, you guys eat like this all the time? You mean with utensils? <laughs> Don't mind Alex, he's a little strange. Hey, he's all right. He's a cute little guy. He's just... <laughs> he's just a little stiff is all. You know what you could use, Alex? No, no, what could I use, Nick? <laughs> An earring. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, uh, really? Get you loose. Here. Hey. <laughs> that is an interjection. Whoa. An exclamation. Stop it. An imperative. I created a monster. <laughs> to you that I go to that class. Because it's important to Mallory. And if it's important to Mallory, it's important to me. And if it's important to me, it's important to the world. <laughs> We'll be sitting down talking to him today on the Podshack Presents Casual Conversations with Big Skinny, and it's all coming your way next. It's Big Skinny with the Podshack Studio in Fort Worth, Texas. Did you know 2021 is the perfect time to start a podcast? Well, anytime's a good time to start a podcast. If you have something to say, maybe you're a blogger and uh, you'd like to put those blogs to a podcast, you're already halfway there. If you're someone who wants a place to record, the Podshack Studio located here in Fort Worth, Texas is a great place to come in and record your podcast. You've got state-of-the-art equipment, and we can uh, help you edit it down as well. We also make sure that it gets to the platforms it needs to get to, such as Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, all those places, so that it gets out to the masses. Whether you're creating a video marketing campaign for social media, or you're ready to create your own podcast, give us a call at 817-881-6361, 817-881-6361, or visit our website, bigskinnyvoiceovers.net. All right, Big Skinny here with you today. Man, I tell you what, it is a, Monday, a Tuesday night, man. I'm, I'm so lost. I don't even know what day it is. It's Tuesday night here in the Fort Worth, Texas, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And uh, we are here with Casual Conversations uh, with Big Skinny. And tonight's guest, we have the very talented actor, Scott Valentine. Everybody knows Scott from uh, his days on Family Ties is Nick. But, you know, there's so much more to the man than just uh, Nick Moore. So tonight, uh, are you agreeing with me there? Are you agreeing with me there, Scott? 
You know, I'm just, I'm a little humbled by how you're introducing me, brother. That's all. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a bright crimson. How's that lighting for you? It looks good, man. It looks good. You kind of like Casper the ghost. <laughs> I've got a new light coming, brother. Is that any better? Yeah, it looks good, man. You got some good color to you now, you know, okay. kind of like, like, like me, man. Uh, you know, just, uh, just pale skinned. <laughs> Kind of goes with the gray hair. And I've, got sorry, of, I've got a lot of it. A lot of gray hair, brother. Hey, at least we got hair. You know, that's a good thing. So how's New York tonight, man? It's a, it's a little chilly, brother. Little chilly. Little, little, little. I, I think it's about, uh, what is it here? I think it's eight degrees. Eight degrees? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh Goodness gracious, brother! We're here. We hit we hit a high of sixty today, which was uh, you know, short weather for Texas people. Kenny, I got two words for you, and they're not Merry Christmas. Okay. <laughs> so, so how was supper tonight, man? What y'all have for supper? We had some tilapia. Okay. And some green beans, and some asparagus, otherwise known as asparagus. <laughs> so, I'm trying to I'm trying to lose weight, brother. I've lost 14 pounds. I've got another 20, 24 to go. So, you know, the, I'm fighting the good fight. Am I going to see you on a Jenny Craig commercial or Weight Watchers or anything <laughs> like that? You found me out. There you go. I want to see the I want to see the before and after, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's the grimace. The grimace from McDonald's, and here we are now. Here's, that's me today, dude. That's you know, I I could lose thirty pounds and nobody even know. You know, get out of here! Come on, seriously, man. Yeah. I could lose I could lose thirty pounds and it'd be like I, no. I can't I can't see it. <laughs> I can't see it. But, uh, no, brother, I had I had open heart surgery uh, fourteen months ago. Yeah, and then I had uh, I don't know if you know I was run over by a truck years ago. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, hit run over and dragged. And in and, and 83, I had an artificial femur, hip, and part of my pelvis put in. And that had run its course, so I had a new one put in eight months ago. Did, did, and, uh, can, I ask, can I ask a question with that? Sure. Did, did you get the bionic eye with that? You know, did it all come together? No, but I did get the bionic penis. We can't talk about that on air, you know, but it was... <laughs> It was a little through the doctor, a couple extra Ben Franklins, and I'm like a million bucks. Superman. Mm-hmm. So, so you had that. You had to. You had it re- redone. You had to have it reinstalled. And, and today, is it is it a little better quality than it was back in the day when you had it done the first time? Oh, much better. Much better. Uh, when I uh, funny thing is, when I had it done the first time, I wanted to get a, a specific one that was um, cementless, meaning that it was porous. And the surface was incongruent and your bone grew to it and through it. Um, the one that I had was never approved for major use in the United States. So when I was interviewing surgeons, I, I interviewed 41 surgeons before I found the right one to replace my replacement. And I'd go in and some of the guys, they'd, they'd look at my x-ray. You know, back in the day, they'd take the x-ray and put it up on the, in the whiteboard. Now it's all computerized and they turn on the computer and they look and they go, wow, wow. I've never seen one of these. My God, this is interesting. My Lord. And I'm like, you know what? You're not the guy. Yeah. Not the guy. I'm out of here. <laughs> so 
Finally, on number 42, I found a great surgeon out in L.A. at Cedar sinai Sean Roger. He did a phenomenal job. Um, got a new femur, got a new hip. Portion of my pelvis is new. Got a few screws in there. I'm like a million bucks, brother. Seriously, so I, I was in so much godforsaken pain. The staff going down inside my femur, it started to pop through my femur, started to come out the side of the bone. Wow. And then the top of the hip, the, the acetabulum, and, you know, that's like the ball of the hip joint. Yeah. It started to push through. You know how in the middle of all of our pelvises you get that big hole? Mm-hmm. And that, that ball started to push through into that big hole. Wow. And every time I would move, the acetabulum would, would shift around inside of me, the, the fake acetabulum. So I was in such god awful. Can we swear on this show, or do we got to watch? We, no, uh, you, you, you can swear, man. I'll just put an explicit tag on it, so we're good. <clears throat> I, I, I was in so much friggin' pain. I couldn't bend over my shoes without, you know, because the the femoral staff would shift, the acetabulum would shift, and I'd have to like throw my body up, and I'd be like, <clears throat> and my poor kids, my sons, you know. They'd hear me every day cussing like a like a mother forker because I was in such pain. Like so, a sailor. Yeah, yeah. But brother, I got I got great boys. I've got great sons. I'm a very lucky man. My sons are all young men now and they're all doing very well. So I'm a, I'm a lucky son of a gun. So how long does it take you to recover where you're actually able to get around after a surgery like that? Not that long. You know, if if you're getting your hip done the first time and just your hip. They've got you up and walking in two days. Wow. Now with this replacing a replacement, it took about maybe, if I can remember correctly, about six to eight weeks before I was walking without any ambulatory aid, you know? Uh, and now I'm getting around phenomenally. There's, it's, it's as almost as if it didn't happen. Here, let me show you the scar, okay? I'll, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Watch. Okay, so now I'm red, man. No. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, look, look, look at the open heart scar. That one. That's a pretty one. Right yeah, there. that's pretty, man. That is pretty. But you're, but the good thing is you're still with us. You know, that's the good thing. Dude, I feel great. I just had my kidneys operated on two weeks ago. So I got that all done. Uh, I got to go and get a couple more little dipsy doodles done. And I'm going to be like a million bucks. I tell you, they're going to put the bionic eyes in. And yeah, but, but the bad thing about it is ain't, ain't going to be no original parts left. That's okay, because then I can do the TV show, The Real Six Million Dollar Man. Yeah. Remember that show when we were kids? Yeah. Yeah, I do, I, I do remember that. I used to have one of those dolls with a, with a little glass deal in the back where you could look through the head. and look, now, what, like what sound did he make, Kenny? What sound, when he started running or, or using his special powers, what was that sound we all heard? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was that, buddy. That was that. I watched it. I was a fan. High five, mofo. Way to go. That's it, baby. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. I was a fan. And, and I got so pissed off. I got so pissed off at my sister because I got one of those uh, Steve Austin dolls for Christmas one year, and my sister, yeah. like the very first day I got it, ripped the damn head off of it. <laughs> I'm like, he's not the six million dollar yeah. man. I can take his head off. I, I, I was disillusioned. He's now he's worth about fifty cents. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, let me see if I'll take your head off. You won't be the six million dollar girl, will you? <laughs> but you know, um, it's funny or not funny, but it's uh it's interesting. You talk about having the the hip replacement. I've got a good friend of mine that we're doing a podcast for that just had her hip all the way down from her hip amputated uh, right before Christmas. 
And uh, now, now she's to the point where she's going in for a prosthetic where she can. And I'm not, I mean, they had to cut it where there wasn't nothing left. They had to build a, a flap or a stump just so that she'd have a place to put a prosthetic. But I mean, <clears throat> so, you know, that's, so her whole leg is going to be a prosthetic whole leg. And you know, that what's, what's wow. cool about what's cool now is it's all, it's all uh, the, the, it's got brains in it now where she's going to get a prosthetic that actually knows when to bend its knee, when to move the foot, no. when they're stepping off the curb. I mean, it's, it's some crazy, it's some like Android ass crap, man. So, I mean, wow. it's, it's, it's some crazy stuff, but yeah, I'm scared. I, I got a little bit, you know, nervous there, but you know, like I said, everybody, everybody is, has a, you know, things that go on and, and it's all how you deal with it. And, Take a guess how much my heart, if I had not had surgery, and I was just walking it off the street, and I was going to pay the rack rate. Take a guess how much it would have cost. Probably about three hundred fifty thousand dollars or more. Add a million bucks to that. Oh my god! I saw that's, the bill. That's outrageous. I mean, the cost of medical is outrageous. A million three. A million three. Jeez, oh Pete. My 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 prostheses, my hip and femur, and all that stuff. That was close to 700 grand if you did not have insurance. Jeez. What has happened in this country? Why is, why is, you know, you can go and get the same. One of my best friends in the world, a guy I've been buddies with since I was in a junior, you know, junior high school. He now lives over in Thailand. He's a former spook. And he got his knees done, I think in Thailand or in Vietnam, great medical care, doctors that were trained in America. And he said over the, it cost him, I think, all in without insurance for four grand. Holy crap. Yeah. That's, that's, insurance. Cheap. that's cheap. That's cheap. Yeah. That's cheap. Well, I'm one of those I'm one of those fools that uh, lost my job because of the pandemic. Um, the company I was working for about a year ago, it'll be it'll be a year, April 7th, um, decided that uh, things weren't going good. They need to lay some people off. So I got let go, lost my insurance. And so we're, we're in that, we're in that, me and my wife are in that boat right now, not having insurance, but I, you know, I called my doctor up. I had, I do a yearly checkup, I called him up, said, Hey, what is, what is the cash rate? And they told me what the cash rate was. So I'm like, it's fine. You know, so I know what to pay when I go in there. And then when I, you know, like a, uh, not even a month later, I'm getting a bill from them for my doctor's visit. And I'm like, you guys told me before we went in there, what the price was. Now you're sending me another bill. I don't, I don't, I'm not getting it. I mean, they ran a test and I, you know, we paid for the test, but what is this extra for? And it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, the medical system is just, I don't know, man, it's just crazy. Have you ever looked at your line item bill when you go into the hospital or you go for a doctor's visit and look at what they charge for? I, one bill I looked at and what I got charged for a friggin' ibuprofen Advil, you know, Motrin. Yeah. 32 bucks, mother. <laughs> 32 bucks. Jeez, okay. I'm thinking, what is this gold, like encased uh, ibuprofen? What, yes. what is going on? Is this special ibuprofen you're giving me here? I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And if you don't look at that bill, there's, there's items on there that they're charging you for that you've never had done. Wow. Yeah. 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 I, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. My honey, my fiance, she's a nurse. She went over to urgent care. She had, uh, I can't remember what it was, but she got her bill back and she looks at it. She's going, and they're charging her for something. She goes, they didn't do this. I didn't have this done. And called up and talked to the billing. Oh, yes, yes, you did. Absolutely. She, no, I'm a nurse. I was there. I know what the what's what. 
what it's just our, our medical system is way out of whack. Yes, sir. It is way out of whack. And there's too many people up in the ivory tower sitting in those glass encased offices that are pulling in six, seven figures at per annum. Well, yeah. other folks are, are in desperate need of medical care. It's yeah, just, and they are, and they are, they are bilking the insurance companies, and that's why insurance is so freaking high because they're charging outrageous amounts of money for these insurance companies to cover these procedures, and they know it's it. Insane. Yeah, they know it's it. insane. Yeah, it's insane. So, so you got you, you, you got a fiance. Do you guys have a date set yet? September twenty third of this year. Yes, sir. Great man, great. It's going to be in New York. Where y'all having the wedding at? In New York, New second York. time around. Yep. Yes. You, you know, this is the first place I've announced it publicly. So you're the first. You got the scoop, brother. Uh, maybe I'm just the first one to ask the question. <laughs> and I tell you where that comes from because me and my wife both we we're both um, into the wedding field. I, I DJ weddings. <clears throat> I've, I've been oh. doing that since I got out of radio, and uh, she's a event planner. So that's kind of the thing we do. Wedding thing. So that excites us whenever we hear people are getting married because we've done so many over the years. I've been doing it since 2003, man. Been, wow. Been playing weddings for a long time, but that's, it's a lot of fun, man. And uh, you'll have a good time. Just make sure you get a good planner because man, that will take so many headaches off of your wife or your family. We, we, we got a great planner. We, we went around, looked at a bunch of different places. This is my second time around the, uh, around the, you know, the merry-go-round. This is her second time around we want it to be for us, for our yep. the sanctity of our relationship and our commitment to each other. Um, awesome. First time I got married, there was a lot of pomp and circumstance. And they say those weddings that have all the hoopla going on, the first time weddings, something like 65, 70% of those end up in divorce. I, I, agree. I agree. And I think a lot of the hoopla and the pomp and circumstances to take away from the real emotions that one or both of the uh, parties are experiencing. And nothing well, against my ex-wife. I don't want to sit here and trash my ex-wife. No. She's a fine person. I've got four beautiful sons with her. You know, she, she's a very good person. Um, it just wasn't right. You know, yep. this wasn't right. That happens. Yeah. Well, me, and, me and my wife, we both come from 20 plus years of marriage each. I was married for 20 and she was married for 23 <clears throat> and, wow. uh, and just both of us were in bad, bad situations and, and both of us decided to leave. And so, you know, I understand that. I understand the second time around, but the cool thing about the second time around is, you know, what you're willing to put up with, you know, how to do it, you know, what's, what's going to work and what isn't. And so you can kind of have those discussions beforehand with your prospective, you know, fiance or whatever that's, and we did, we had those, I said, look, I can take anything except for this because I had to deal with so much of this whenever this is really what the oh, brother, you're, you're preaching to the choir because yeah. I was in two other relationships before I met Jennifer. And I knew I got to a certain point of like, oh, here's this again. I've heard this song before and yeah. I know how this dance goes and I am not staying around to hear the, <clears throat> you know, to see yeah. the end of it. I'm out of here. I don't want to see the band. I don't want to see the band wrapping up on this one. No, 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 no. Well, that's that's no. good. That's good. That's the cool thing about being in a relationship for as long as we was. And the hard part was is after being out of the dating pool for so long, having to get back on that horse again was a little tough. You know, twenty that years was of, weird. That yeah, was it, weird. When did you? When did you? Because I started dating 
my ex and I separated in 05 and I started dating in 07. And I did, you know, look, I was a guy who was on TV. So what am I going to do? And I'm also coaching my boys in baseball and basketball and football. <clears throat> and I didn't want to be that dad at the park who was picking up the other divorcees. You know, hey, mom, I don't want to be that guy. Um, so I tried the uh, eHarmony. I tried match.com. That was weird. Just weird. Very inorganic. Nothing, you know, just weird. Didn't feel right. You know, not at all. And uh, I'm extremely happy uh, that I met Jennifer. She's just, she's a nut. She's a nut. We, yeah, we've had, we've had a couple of, but we know how to fight fair. Yep. We know how to disagree lovingly. We know how, like you said, look, I'll do anything, but I won't do that. I'm not going to do that. Yep. And she's like, no, I'm not doing that either. I won't do that. Um, I did try the whole thing with a firefighter suit on and the, uh, carrying the ladder over my shoulder. She wouldn't go for it. <laughs> We don't, me and my wife, we don't fight. I mean, we, we, we might disagree on something, but we don't fight. I mean, there's not yeah. like, there's no argument. It's just, we'll, we'll have a discussion and each other gets their feelings out of the way and, you know, and just, and it, that's the way it works, you know? And I like that. I like, because it seemed like with me and my ex, all we did was fight. It was just fight yeah. for 20 years, yeah. fight, fight, fight. And it's just, you have, you got kids with your ex? I got three, three girls. How old? Uh, the, my, my, I had my oldest one passed away back a couple of years ago. She probably, I think she'd have been 41 this year. And my youngest is, oh man, you're asking me. She was, she's 86. She was born in 86. So, so she's 34. She'll yeah. be 30. Right. Yeah. 35 this year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A little older than my, my, my offspring, but, um, uh, my my ex and I, we were like two wet cats in a burlap bag. Oh man! We were. And, then, and then one of the girlfriends, one of the ones in between. I I tried to make it work. You know, I thought Kenny. I thought as long as I'm honorable, as long as I don't f- screw around, as long as I'm committed, as long as I'm monogamous, nothing could be worse than cheating. Nothing. Yep, I agree with you. I was wrong. It was that 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 I wound up getting a restraining order with that person. And, uh, she was, she was rather quixotic, shall I say? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And with Jennifer, every day we laugh, we've been together about a year and we just, we laugh and laugh and laugh. And we've never, like you said, we've never had a fight. We've had disagreements. That's good. It's never gotten to be rare, you know, been together a year. I haven't been called asshole. I haven't been called loser. I haven't been called a, an F up. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> We'll, we'll probably have an argument tonight, me and my wife, just because I'm talking about it. But I, I feel like it's going to be, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be over something simple. Like you know, last last night we came to the conclusion that we were going to make because we watch. You watch uh, the Food Network at all? Yeah. So we, you know, we're, we're big fans of Chopped, and I, t- I tell her all the time. Chopped. I said we got to have a contest. I wanted we're going to do the can can, you know, just try to make a meal out of some cans. But anyway, we decided last night we were going to make some kind of queso dip. For dinner, you know, just because it's just me and we're, we're, we're empty nesters. We've been empty nesters since December. Uh, all the kids moved out because uh, we moved, we've, we got a new house. The kids moved out. Everybody's doing their own thing. So now it's just me and her. And uh, so, you know, we, we decided queso dip, something simple, something quick, a little sausage, a little cheese, refried beans on some tortilla chips, you know, throw them in there. And that's dinner last night. So we had a bunch of it left over because apparently we don't know how to cook for just two people. <laughs> 
And so, we're, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to come up with something, you know, chop esque that we can, you know, use them leftovers for to make, you know, make dinner tonight. And I couldn't come up with any ideas. And so I know there's going to be something made with that stuff that I have nothing to do with because I'm out in the backyard in my studio. She's in there trying to prepare dinner. I'm sure there's no telling what I'm going to get with the with the with the queso dip tonight. <laughs> It'll be something, I'm sure. Surprise! 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 <laughs> It'll uh-huh. be something. It'll be, it will be something, I'm sure. I mean, I'll eat it. Don't I never turn a meal down. You can tell by looking at me. I don't I don't miss <laughs> many meals. <laughs> but anyway. So I wanted to ask you, I'm you know, I know everybody comes at you about working with Michael J. Fox, this, that, and the other, but I kinda wanted to ask you some technical questions about acting tonight. Cause you know, there's a lot of us that are, you know, that watch the shows and we see a lot of stuff that goes on. And it's kind of cool to get someone that that's actually been around the scene that knows some of the technical stuff, like what the hell is a key grip? You know, we see that on a, <laughs> we see that stuff on there all the time. Well, it's not a person that carries a pocket full of keys. Okay. That's, that, that is the man or the woman that is in charge of like lugging and dragging all the electrical equipment and where that goes and how it goes and who goes with what or whatever. All right. And, and uh, is the key grip now wait let's let's google to make sure that we have the right definition there mr valentine's not uh <laughs> not not screwing up <clears throat> yeah all the lighting and all the rigging okay so the lighting and rigging you know where you see uh lights are on c stands yep. and they've got barn doors and then the lights that's the main dude usually it's a guy sometimes it's a woman um that is in charge of that whole world okay it's kind of amazing how they come up with these names for stuff, isn't it? Well, the lead man. How about um, best boy? Best boy. What the heck's the best boy? What the heck's the best boy? Okay, that's a that's another type of grip. All right, and that is the right hand person to the key grip. All right, or the gaffer is the head electrician. And he's the head of the light technician, the head of head of lightning of lighting. So if I was if I was key grip, my wife would be like best boy. Is that what you're telling me? Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna and call her that. Like that. I'm gonna call her tonight. You're my best boy. <laughs> <laughs> you be, you better be careful. You may be sleeping out in the uh, garage. Okay. Yeah, I'll be back in the studio again tonight with my queso dip. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. When you're working, what what is a typical day for an actor like for a, for a sitcom? Oh, because I was going to say, what are we talking about? Are we talking about a, a four camera sitcom, or are we talking about a one camera sitcom, or are we talking about a movie or a TV show, or are we talking about a play? Because I've done all of them. Okay, so um, on Family Ties, was it a four camera a four camera sitcom, or was it, was it four, four camera? So you have a proscenium. You're acting on a proscenium stage, which proscenium means that there's a you know almost like a picture frame. I'm trying to get the right frame here on the camera. Okay. Like if you're going to a live theater show. Yeah. And that area just when it's not theater in the round, but it's just a flat stage. That proscenium is the area that separates the audience from the players, from the folks. And in a show like family ties or like uh, Cosby was, or, like Seinfeld, I think Seinfeld may have been four camera. I don't remember, but there are four cameras and those four cameras are moving perpetually with the actors 
and each camera has a different thing to pick up, whether it's a single shot on one actor or a two shot on Kenny and Scott, or they're going to shoot, you know, the whole world. And that's a master. They want to see the full room. And when you go in on a sitcom, typically <clears throat> it's a great gig for any actor because it's only a five day week. It's a really great actor for a guy like Valentine coming in on a show that's already established. Um, Cause we went in on Mondays, we read the script and that was it. Then we went home. We read the script sitting at a table. All the writers are there, all the producers, they hear it. They see what works, what doesn't work. And they're like, okay, go home. And we're going to come back tomorrow morning. You're going to get rewrites tonight. Learn those rewrites. You go back the next morning, Tuesday morning, you sit at the table and you have a table read again. And the writers and the producers are taking notes. And then they have you get up and you rehearse each and every scene that day. You may rehearse in order or you may rehearse out of order. Um, they may do all the scenes in the living room first, then all the scenes in the kitchen, then all the scenes in whatever that support stage is, the variable for that week, whether it's a shoe store or uh, an airport, uh, you know, uh, loading area, whatever, whatever is featured in that week's script. And that's on Tuesday. Sometimes Tuesday, they have you do a run through at the end of the day, very rarely. Um, just because they want to see again, how does it work? How's it playing? Go home Wednesday morning. You come in again, not until 10 a.m. That's a very cushy life. You come in at 10, you do a table read. And then they're looking, you know, again, you're going to rehearse everything. You do a table read and then you do a rehearse of every scene throughout the day. And at the end of the day, you do a run through. <clears throat> for all the producers, all the writers with the director so they can see how it plays, what works, what doesn't work. The actors go home usually by six, seven o'clock at that time. And the writers stay until 10 o'clock, midnight, one in the morning. And, uh, you know, sometime at 10 o'clock, midnight, one in the morning, you get a ding dong at your door and you go out and there's an envelope with all the new pages. And Thursday morning you come in and you, once again, you do a table read and then you camera block. So then there they have the cameras are now on the set and they're setting up which cameras are getting which actors from which angle for each scene. And then they're, they're positioning you to make sure, cause it's much looser with those type of cameras than doing a film. A film is much more acute and much more defined what your position is cause they have much more critical lenses. Um, much more critical lighting. That's a lot where the gaffer and the, the key grip and the best boy come into play. But doing that all day long camera blocking, right, with the cameras. And then at the end Thursday, you do another run through with the cameras and they see how it plays. You go home, you come in the next day at about 11 o'clock. You go through hair and makeup on Friday and you shoot the scenes without an audience from about noon till about 6 p.m. And you break for dinner at six, you come back at seven, you get your makeup touched up and all that. And at 7.30, you do it in front of a live audience. And that's the best thing ever. I started out doing theater. I love theater. I love that what you do is what the audience gets. There's no fancy work with cameras. There's no fancy work with editing or music. You, just, you know, there's music in a play, obviously, but what you do is what the audience gets, whether you succeed or whether you completely screw up, that's what the audience gets. 
So you come back uh, in front of a live audience, usually from 7.30 till about nine o'clock at night on Friday. And then depending upon how well everybody did, you then do pickups. They tell the audience, thank you for coming. You can all go home. But if you want, you can stay in the audience and watch the actors do pickups. And usually there's still quite a few people in the audience. And you do little pieces of scenes where maybe the camera was out of place or maybe the actor got the line wrong or uh, maybe an actor was out of place and they blocked another, you know, they crossed like this and blocked the other actor's shot. Um, and on Family Ties, a show like that, I was very lucky. You know, you're working with Michael Fox, Meredith Baxter, Bernie, Michael Gross, Justine Bateman, Tina Yothers, Mark Price, uh, Courtney Cox. Um, they're all consummate professionals. They all knew what they were doing. So our pickups, usually we were out of there by 10 o'clock at night. And by the last year of Family Ties, we didn't even go in on Monday. We had Mondays off. You went in Tuesday, you did a table read. Maybe you did a walkthrough, maybe you didn't. And then you, if typically you do a table read and they'd say, go home. You come back in on Wednesday. You had a four day week. It was a very, very, very easy life for an actor getting paid a lot of money, a lot of money. Whereas if actors that do a one camera show, um, shows like whatever Miami vice, uh, St. Elsewhere, um, Hill street blues, you know, things that look like a film. Yeah. Those, especially with film, when they were shooting mostly on 16 millimeter, not 35 millimeter, and you're shooting film, it's a lot slower. It's a lot laborious. It's if we're shooting this scene of, of, you know, you're there and I'm there and we're talking, you can do a big master shot, but then you have to pop in and get all the sing single shots on Valentine, then get all the single shots on Pope. Um, reset the lights, reset the, you know, the furniture to be able to make the camera, to be able to move where it is. Is the camera going to be stationary? Is this camera going to be on a dolly track, which looks like a little railroad track that you, you know, move along? Or is the camera on a boom? Uh, is it on a jib arm that goes up and down quicker? Or is it a steady cam? And the camera operator's got literally looks like a spacesuit on with this hydraulic arm on it where the camera's on it and goes back and forth. So those, those shows typically, you know, the cheaper hour shows that are one camera, they shoot them out in maybe six days. Shows that were much bigger budgets like uh, Sopranos was, they'd take 10 days to shoot that out. Um, shows now like uh, Walking Dead, that's a one camera film show, but they don't do film anymore. It's all shot on digital. So digital's fascinating because you're not changing camera. You're not changing film mags out right there. You're saving time at the end. When a film mag is done, the, the first AC, the first assistant camera has to take the mag off. They've got to check the, what's it called? Check the, uh, inside the camera. They got to make sure that there's no like hair on there. There's no fuzzy is the, uh, I can't remember what the, what the term is. Is it clean? Okay. It's good. We can move on now on digital. When you run out of space, you just, change the, you know, the external hard drive. Put your SD card in there. Yeah. And it's a major, a big one, but it's, you know, relatively speaking, yes, that's what it is. And the lighting that is need a lot less lighting and to camera lenses, 
when you do one camera film, whether it's a film or a TV show, you're changing from an 18 lens to a 25, to a 50, to an 85, to a hundred with digital cameras. Typically you've got a, you've got a lens on there that you can rack focus and you can zoom right in super tight or you can come back out and get the whole universe, you know? So digital is a lot more cost effective. Um, it's amazing now with series. I think the first year they did the Sopranos, it was maybe four or five million an episode. The last year they did the Sopranos, it was up to like 25, 30 million an episode, an episode for a friggin' TV show. Whereas if now with all the various portals of delivery, I mean, you remember when we went from four networks to cable. Oh yeah. Oh my God, we got 30 channels. We got 30 channels. Now, I don't know how you get your content delivered to your home, but but we get it through the internet. And we have Hulu. We have uh, YouTube TV. We have Netflix. We can get up to <clears throat> just sitting here right now, popping on in my office on the flat screen I have here. I can probably get a thousand different channels, a thousand different portals. Yep. I could get how many versions of, 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 uh, of chopped could I get right now from different portals, different years. <laughs> so <clears throat> it has made producers and studios or, you know, and it's no longer, it used to be seven studios. I mean, now there's Netflix, there's Apple, there's Google, there's Amazon, there's other, you know, distribution companies that have their own production arms. So they've got to be much smarter. And the first year that they did walking dead, they were at about four million an episode. Now they're down to about two and a quarter an episode. They've had to cut. Usually, when a series was successful, it meant you had more ad dollars coming in, and everybody got fatter. The actors got paid a lot more. The producers got paid a lot more. The directors got paid a lot more. The studio executives got paid a lot more. The below line guys, the grips, the gaffers, you know, um, all the all the worker bees, they were still paid the same union rate. But believe you me, working, working, if you get into Hollywood and you get one of those jobs in the union, you make good money, bro. You, yeah. you make good money. You, you can make 150, 250 a year. You get on the right show and you keep getting paid union wages. Yeah. Um, but, now, but now you got all that competition with these studios. Uh, who's going to get what, you know, who, what, what studio is going to pick up your project? I mean, how that's, that seems like to me, that would be kind of the hard thing is trying to find a studio to pick up a project with so many different studios around. Who do well, you choose? Studios actually, they, they produce the projects, but now it's studios like Paramount. You got Paramount plus because of the internet and because of new laws, they can distribute their own product, you know, and they don't need TV. They don't need a broadcast. They don't need a satellite. They don't need a spot on the dial. You and I can go launch our own network. You know, yep. we're going to, me and my, my partners, we're going to launch our own OTT in about uh, three months here. And, and literally we're having the technology built and we'll just find a place on the internet to boom, you, you need an app. We've got an app already built. You're going to be able to get us on Google, get us on Apple, get us on Hulu, get us on uh, Roku. So, so what is, what, what is going to consist of? It will consist of, we're trying to, we want to, we can't compete with Netflix. We can't compete with Amazon. We can't compete with Apple. We can't compete with Universal. We can't compete with Paramount. They've got Buko Bucks. 
what we want to compete with and, and where I grew up and came up through and where my partners grew up and came through. Um, Larry Maestrich is, is the primary guy. Larry started a company back in the 90s called Shooting Gallery. Their first breakout film, their first big film was Sling Blade. They made Sling Blade for about $800,000. Larry was shuffling credit cards, paying this one with that and this with that. They got done with the film and they sold it to uh, Harvey Weinstein, that piece of shit. They sold it to his company, Miramax, for $10 million. Okay. Today, you can make Sling Blade probably for a quarter of a million with the equipment that exists, and you don't need a Miramax. You can go and put it on portals yourself. Yep. So what ours will exist, exist of, we want to be a home for independent filmmakers, independent content makers. Uh, back when you made an independent film pre-streaming, you had to get distribution. You had to have a theatrical agreement. You had to have an agreement for VHS or for DVDs. Um, you had to work to get your film out there. And there's a way that you could work to make sure your film was seen or known to the proper audience. Now you sell your, a lot of, initially a lot of filmmakers were happy. They're like, oh, I sold my film to Netflix. I got my money back and I made a little bit of money. I'm happy, I'll go to the next one. And they were, they were happy. Their investors were happy. But on Netflix, Netflix controls, you've got Netflix, right? Yes, sir. When you sign on to Netflix, they have an algorithm that says, Kenny Pope watches the kind, these kind of programmings with this frequency, so we're gonna show him these 400 to 500 titles. And that's all you're gonna see. Unless you've got the codes for Netflix and you know how to plug in and get different codes. Netflix controls about 25, 30,000 titles. And they're only showing you and other viewers 400, 500. So there's a lot of great films that a lot of people worked very hard. They put a lot of time in creatively, put a lot of time in you know, manual labor wise that never get seen. And it's more so just so Netflix can say, we've got 25,000 films, but it's like saying I have 25,000 dicks. How many dicks do you need? You know, <laughs> just one. Yeah. So there's a lot of films that don't get seen. So we, we want to be the hero of independent content makers and we want to create a portal where people will learn of these films and can find them easily and they won't be hidden in our database somewhere that, Oh, the algorithm says that Kenny only watches films with, uh, I don't know, fried green tomatoes types and, uh, 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 driving Miss Daisy type and, uh, uh, give me another spy thriller type, you know, how do you know you'd like to see something? Maybe you'd like to see musicals. Maybe you'd like to see a, a slice of life movies. Maybe you'd like to see teenage uh, angst uh, comedies, you know, but you don't get shown those choices through Netflix or through Amazon or through Google or through Apple. So do you have a name for the program yet or for the, for the app? The OTT will be called red coral universe. Okay. And we will launch sometime in the third quarter of this year. Uh, believe you me, I'm going to be coming back and banging on your door and begging you go, Mr. Pope, Mr. Pope, please put me on your show so I can promote our network. I'd be, I'd love to do it, man. I'd love to do it. And the thing we're going to do different, we're not going to, you're not going to see ads. A lot of times you see ads for Netflix, mm -hmm. watch Netflix or watch, you know, Amazon 
or watch uh, who's yellow and apple. You're, you're very little are you going to see red coral. You're going to see watch big skinny, watch Popeland, watch and let the show be the star, not the network. Let filmmakers find their audience and let filmmakers be heard. That's good. That's that's great, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that's our that's our goal. That's our desire, brother. Well, that sounds very exciting. So that's what you've got coming up in the future. What are you What are you doing now? I mean, what what kind of things have you been doing since Family Ties? I did a boatload of independent films to pay the bills, put food on the table. Then I got sick of Hollywood, got out of Hollywood for a period of time for around 04, 05. And I became an investment banker and uh, got involved with structuring finance for a lot of renewable energy facilities. Uh, ethanol, biodiesel, anaerobic digestion, solar, and getting projects like that financed. Uh, we got some other, you know, like new technologies. We got those financed where we were trying to find various technologies, whether it was in the energy field or, and right now we're working with guys, they've got a, they've got a, a new type of battery. It uh, doesn't work with acid. It's based on salt water. Uh, can replace lithium and replace lead acid batteries can be used either for uh, boating, for uh, RVs, for uh, power storage, for people with solar systems on their houses and um, things like that. We just, you know, we, we, we like taking, we got a big pride in taking what is considered useless or waste and turning into something useful. Um, so I've been doing that since 0405 and really had no interest to get back into the film world or the entertainment world until I met Larry Meistrich. Um, Larry's Larry has produced and or distributed 144 films and has returned all the capital on 140. That's a awesome. track record. You know, he's a, a lot of folks don't like him because he's very honest. He's very blunt. Uh, He's not this screamer or Hollywood egotistical type. He's very intelligent. He's very passionate. He's a great dad, great dad to his, his children. Um, and just a good, honest, hardworking person. I feel very fortunate. You know, that that is awesome. That sounds like my mom. My mom was one of those kind of people. She was a very blunt. She, you didn't ask her what she thought because she would tell you. Yeah. And he'll, I mean, we'll sit in meetings and he'll say, look, I, I apologize. I don't have a filter, but what you're saying is patently wrong. You know, and it's not like, fuck you, you're an asshole. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It, it's just, it's without drama. And it's just very blunt, very simple, very straightforward. That's refreshing. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on whether it's Monday or not. You know, nobody wants to hear that on a Monday. Uh, please. We had a conference call earlier. One of my sons works with us and uh, me and Larry and Steve, one of the other partners were on the call. And Larry, <laughs> Larry was calling me out on some, some stuff. And I just, I, I only had, I could only laugh. I could only laugh. Like, dude, you are calling me out in front of my son. He's like, well, you, you know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, like I said, you got to lock honest, man. At least you know where you stand with them all the time. You know, exactly. There's no, no, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. See, it, see that's, that's, you, you look for that in a business partner and a wife. You want your wife to be honest with you too, right? Yeah, brother. So, so, so you know, if he, it's like your business partner is your wife, man. 
dude, you're not much younger than me. So, you know, you get to a certain point in life. You don't want, uh, just tell it to me straight. Yeah. You know, don't don't sugarcoat it. Just, just let me know. And and if I can't take it, then I'll move on down the road, but just let's not waste my time. Let's not waste your time. Just be straight with me. Okay. So how old are you? 62. 62. So I'm I'll, I'm, I'll be 55 this year, so I'm not far behind you. Dude, you're getting old, man. Getting- <laughs> I posted a picture the other day, and my siblings are like, oh, my God, you look so old. You know? <laughs> I'm like, thanks, man. Well, the funny thing is, you I'm sure you feel this, too. Inside, mentally, emotionally, I still feel like I'm 18. You know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Physically, yes, I'm a little creaky and not as quick as I used to be. But and then you look, catch yourself in the mirror. And it's like, ooh, wow. <laughs> yeah, but you but you got that old fallback. At least I'm bionic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that, man. I'm still all natural. Hey, at least I have hair. That's what I say. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I've got hair. I've got hair, brother. I, I, my hair is so curly that if I let it grow out, it's like fro. I mean, like I, yeah. have, to keep, I have to keep it cut short. Dude, me too. I've got to keep mine short because if I grow it out. I can show you some pictures. It, it looks like I look like Einstein. It's like it. It goes like, crazy. It's the gray hair fro, is what it is. Why don't you just get that Nick wig and put it back on, man? <laughs> you know what cracks me up? I never realized that that some people thought that that was a wig, and now my fiance busts my chops over that. You know, <laughs> which is so funny. Yeah, why don't you put that wig on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my real hair. And one of the cool, one of the cool things that I did learn about you just by watching other podcasts and research and stuff. But some of those ideas that of Nick came from you, like the the whole was it the the painting or the the art creation from from finding trash and creating art was that kind of your deal? Well, that they had the character written that way when I went and auditioned for it. But the thing was, when I I moved from uh, New York to L.A. in August of 84. And I got the part in July of 85. And right up to the time that I left, and I'm still friends with one of the people, uh, the other guy, I think he moved back to Switzerland. They made art out of garbage. We used to go around New York City at night digging into garbage piles to find different things that they can make art out of. So that was very that was very real and very visceral for me. Um, funny thing is, Gary Goldberg, who created Family Ties, he and I getting together well after the show was done and having lunch, and then him saying, "Well, what are you doing now?" And I'm saying, "Well, we got a company that takes garbage and turns it into power." He's like, "You just can't get away from garbage, can you?" I'm like, "No, I love garbage. I love playing in the shit, man. I love it. Garbage is making me money." Uh huh. That's awesome, uh-huh. stuff, man. So how many ideas did, how many ideas were you allowed created creatively to give to Nick Moore, your character? Quite a bit. I mean, the clothes, the earrings, the, the speech pattern, the, uh, the mannerisms and in, in which and the, the timing of his speech were all things that they allowed me to bring to the character. Gary um, was very supportive and very creative and, and was very embracing. If you wanted to try something, yeah, let's try it. Let's see if it works. If it didn't work, he was very diplomatic and saying, well, maybe that isn't right for, but you know, they gave you, they give you a lot of rope to go out and, and play and swing on the branch and see what would work and what wouldn't work. All right, man, we got, go ahead and give me the, give me the, the, 
The Nick. Give me the Nick voice. Oh, dude, I can't do it, dude. I can't. I try. <laughs> I sound I sound like I sound like a prepubescent whose voice is cracking. It's kind of it's kind of emasculating. It's a little embarrassing. Go ahead, man. I can take it. No, dude, I can't do it. I can't. Seriously. I can't. Oh, that's funny, man. Feel emasculated, huh? You ain't, felt, you ain't felt nothing yet. You're fixing to get married. <laughs> maybe, maybe, you'll, maybe you'll get it back then. That's greatness, brother. That's greatness. Man, I, I'm excited for your new project, though, and I can't wait for it to come out. And, uh, man, I tell you what, we'll, uh, we'll get it on the old Roku. I got my big old 65-inch Roku. We'll, we'll throw it on there, man. Yeah, dude, look, Red Coral, Red Coral Universe, okay? Yep. We'll, we'll make yeah. sure that we push it out there for you. And if you need anybody to help you get the word out, give me a holler, man. We'd love to help you with that as well. Dude, I want to come back and, and we shoot the proverbial bull again, okay? You bet. And, and right. my, my phone's open anytime, brother. You want to call and just chat. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, I told you, when I'm coming down to Fort Worth, we're going out and we're going to eat lots of food, all right? Well, they, nah, you're talking my language now, man. So that's, what's uh-huh. kind of, that's the kind of podcast I need to do. And me and my wife are going to be working on something like that. We were we had a plan. We were going to do a podcast. We were going to visit all these little restaurants. We were going to do a podcast. Me and her. We have such great rapport. We can make each other laugh. I mean, it's just we have really good rapport. And that's what we were going to do. The pandemic comes where nobody can go to restaurants, and that just screwed the whole thing up. So we're well, waiting. For- the, the, the pandemic is going to be over soon. Yeah, <clears throat> we have. I think have gotten a hold of it with these new uh, vaccines that we have. And I think we should talk about that. Maybe that's a show we could throw on the OTT. Yeah, we'd love it, man. My, like I said, I, I'm a food nut, man. We both love to cook, and 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 like I'm a talker. You can tell I'm a talker, but uh, I, you know, I like doing things a little bit different. You know, we could have come on here tonight. We could have just talked about your career and stuff. But you know, people are more than just their career. People need to know who the person is behind uh, what you know. I, that's what I'm about. I love it, dude. Love it. You're a good man. All right, brother. Well, look, man. Thank you so much for tuning for uh, for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in and sitting in. I appreciate it. <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate you sitting down tonight. I know it's late for you guys on the East Coast, and you know, look at me. I mean, you're putting me on a diet tonight, dude. I haven't eaten I haven't eaten dinner yet, you know. So you got to feel good about that. I haven't had my five helpings of supper yet. <laughs> so you got to feel great about that, okay? But uh, Kevin, man, thank I, you so much, Bubba. Thank you so much. I love your work, brother. Keep doing all the good stuff. We'll be in touch, you know, and think about it. I'm, I'm dead serious. We should get you and your wife to do that show about the restaurants. Yeah. And put it on our OTT. Come talk to me, brother. We'll make it happen. Okay. Beautiful. All right, we'll talk to Boom. you. Boom. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. You've been enjoying the Podshack Presents Casual Conversations with Big Skinny. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you.